This morning we continue our journey through the Gospel of Mark, and we find ourselves in the 10th chapter where a group of Jewish leaders called Pharisees asked Jesus the question, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? The, the story is found in Mark 10, verses 1 through 12. Let me, let me read it for you. It says, Jesus then left the place and went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him, and as was his custom, he taught them. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you? He replied. They said Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote that law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. Let's bow for prayer. Dear, dear Father, I thank you so very much for, again, your teaching here. And God, I pray that we will open our hearts and minds to the truths that you have for us today. God, use this imperfect servant to, again, bring uh, your word and help me to make it clear. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Our question today is about divorce. And the sad truth is there's a lot of divorce in the United States. As a matter of fact, during the height of the pandemic last year, there, there was a 34% increase in the number of divorces. And 31% of couples admitted that the lockdown caused irreparable damage to their relationships. And probably there are very few families among us today who have not been affected by divorce. I know it has impacted our family. I have a younger brother who divorced after more than 15 years of marriage. And Christy has an uncle who's been divorced. And I'm sure many of you have similar stories about family members or maybe about yourself. That's what makes a topic like this so difficult because I know that some of you have been personally impacted by divorce. I want you to know that my purpose in this message is not to make divorced people feel guilty, but to consider what Jesus taught here in Mark 10 about divorce and marriage. See, divorce is not a new problem. It was a problem, obviously, back in Jesus' day. It was even a problem further back in Moses' day. I mean, that's one of the things that makes Bible study so exciting. The same issues that we're dealing with today are issues that people were dealing with centuries ago when the Scriptures were written. And wouldn't we all like to know the answer to the question that Jesus was asked about divorce? I mean, look at the question there in Mark 10, verse number 2. 
Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Matthew records the question just a little bit differently. Matthew 19.2, Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? See, the Jews were divided on the question of divorce. Some of the Jews followed the teachings of a rabbi named Hillel, who taught that a woman could be divorced for just about any reason. If she didn't keep the house neat, if she burnt the toast, if you found someone else better, then according to Hillel, you could divorce your wife. However, there was another uh, rabbi named Shammai, that again many Jews followed, who believed that a woman could only be divorced if she had committed adultery. Now would you like to guess which of those two views were most popular back then? The idea of easy divorce was rampant in Jewish society. And so the Pharisees were really testing Jesus to see which of those two views he thought was right. Well, Jesus, which is right? I mean, we're living in a day when when divorce, again, is prevalent in our society. Is it all right for people, married people, to divorce? In the process of answering that question, Jesus taught three lessons about marriage and divorce. The, The first lesson is this. Though Moses may have permitted divorce, it was never God's plan for marriage. Notice how, like a wise rabbi, Jesus answered the Pharisees' question, first of all, with a question. Mark 10, 3-5. What, what did Moses command you, he replied. And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. In the minds of these Pharisees, Moses, their their great lawgiver, gave them permission back in the Old Testament that they could divorce their wives. The scripture that they used to support that idea was Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 through 4. Let me me read that passage also. It, It says, if a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, And he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her, and sends her from his house. And if after she leaves his house, she becomes the wife of another man, and her second husband dislikes her and writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her and sends her from his house, or if he dies, then her first husband who divorced her is not allowed to marry her again after she's been defiled. That would be detestable in the eyes of the Lord. Do not bring sin upon the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. You know, there's a lot I could say about those verses, but the Life Application Bible, I think, does a great job of summarizing its teachings. It says, some think this passage supports divorce, but that is not the case. It simply recognizes a practice that already existed. It is certainly not suggesting that a man divorces his wife on a whim. 
Divorce is a permanent and final act for the couple. Once divorced and remarried to others, they could never be remarried to each other. This this restriction was to prevent casual remarriage after a frivolous separation. The intent was to make people think twice before divorcing. See, God didn't want His people making a mockery of marriage. He certainly never wanted His people to divorce. Jesus says that Moses permitted, notice that word permitted, Moses permitted them to divorce because their hearts were hard. In other words, they were insensitive to God's plan for them to have a lifelong marriage. And so Moses permitted divorce, and Jesus added something else to his answer in Matthew 19.8. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. God did not want and does not want today marriages to end in divorce. Malachi 2.16 makes that perfectly clear. This is from the New Century Version. The Lord God of Israel says, I hate divorce, and I hate people who do cruel things as easily as they put on clothes, says the Lord All-Powerful. So be careful and do not break your trust. Marriage is a relationship. It is a trust. And God does not want us to see, God does not want to see that trust broken. Someone has said the divorce rate would be lower if instead of marrying for better or for worse, people would just marry for good. James Dobson, a focus on the family gave this advice in an article entitled The Marriage Killers. He says, don't permit the possibility of divorce to enter your thinking. Divorce is no solution. It merely substitutes a new set of miseries for the ones left behind. Not only can you survive, but you can keep your love alive if you give it priority in your system of values. You know, that's the reason I tell couples in my premarital counseling, if two people are willing to work on their marriage, no problem will divide them no matter how big it is. If two people, though, are not willing to work on their marriage, any problem will divide them no matter how small it is. This first lesson is so important. Though Moses may have permitted divorce, it was never God's plan for marriage. And divorce should never be the plan for our marriages as well. The, the second lesson is equally important. God's plan is for people to marry and to stay married. Look at what Jesus taught, Mark 10, verses 6 through 9. But, but at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. In these verses, Jesus goes all the way back to the beginning. He points out that when God created marriage, he created marriage as one woman 
and one man living together for a lifetime. He quoted a verse from Genesis 2.24 which says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. In marriage as God designed it, a man and a woman are to leave their parents. They are to be joined together in marriage and they become one. They are no longer two any longer but one. And what God has joined together in marriage, let no one separate. Thus, when a couple says in their vows, till death do us part, that's exactly what what God intends. These are not meaningless words in a marriage ceremony. This is what God desires for every marriage relationship. And as a preacher who has performed hundreds of weddings... It is my desire to see each and every one of those marriages last a lifetime. However, to be honest with you, that has not always happened. And yet it is God's desire for every one of those marriages to last a lifetime. That's the reason that the marriage relationship should never be taken lightly. Because from God's perspective, it is a lifelong covenant between a husband and and a wife. I committed myself to marry to, to uh, marry Christy almost 47 years ago. Of course, it'll be 47 years ago on Tuesday. And I committed myself to her for a lifetime. Does that mean that we've not had any problem over those years? Not at all. I know I've told you before that our 13th year was a bad year for us. We had some struggles, or maybe being more honest, I had some struggles. But our love and commitment to each other was greater than our struggles. Divorce simply was never an option. And that's exactly the way God wants it to be. A husband and a wife committed to never divorcing. In His plan, people are to marry and to stay married. Matthew shared disciples' reaction to this second lesson. In Matthew 19.10, the disciples said to him, If this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. The disciples had grown up in a culture where, where divorce was always an option. If things weren't going well in the marriage, if, there were, if you were arguing and not getting along, you could always get out of the marriage. But that's not the way that God planned for marriage to be. According to Jesus, what God has joined together, let man not separate. It is simply God's plan for people to marry and to stay married. That was true in first century Palestine, and it is equally true in 21st century America. That brings us to the third lesson, and that is people can choose... To not follow God's plan for marriage. It may be God's plan for people to marry and stay married. But God can choose. Or people can choose. Excuse me. They can choose not to follow his plan. And and that's what Jesus addressed next. In Mark 10. 10 through 12. When they were in the house again. The disciples asked Jesus about this. 
He answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. I believe these verses speak for themselves. If a man or a woman, if a husband or wife divorces their spouse and marries another, they commit adultery. They have been unfaithful to their original spouse. They have been unfaithful to the marriage commitment that they made to them when they were wed. And God does not take such adultery lightly. He does not take any adultery lightly because it ruins his plan for marriage. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus again said things just a little bit differently. Matthew 19, 9, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. In other words, there is one thing that can damage the permanent relationship of marriage. And that one thing is marital unfaithfulness. See, the marriage bond is so intimate that if we join ourselves to another, our mates have justifiable reason for divorce. It is for this reason that both the Old and New Testaments condemn any kind of sexual sin. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-5, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in the way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust, like the heathen who do not know God. It was God's plan from the beginning that intimacy be expressed in the marriage relationship and only in the marriage relationship. And sexual sin out of, outside of marriage destroys that. It ruins God's plan for marriage, one man with one woman for a lifetime. It is for that reason that sexual immorality is a justifiable grounds for divorce. But please note that Jesus does not command divorce even under those circumstances. As Harold Smith once wrote in in, in Leadership Magazine, he said, We have made adultery grounds for divorce. In actuality, it is grounds for forgiveness. Sexual sin is a terrible sin, but it is not unforgivable any more than divorce is unforgivable. And if God can forgive it when people repent, we ought to be able to forgive each other when we repent. Of course, that will take all all kinds of God-given grace. But I know of several couples whose marriages have been restored After one of them had an affair. But it took some time. It took some counseling. A lot of counseling. But they're together today with better marriages than ever. And what a witness that is to the community. However, it is still true. That divorce and marital unfaithfulness are not a part of God's plan for marriage. That day when Jesus was asked about divorce, he shared three lessons about marriage and divorce. We've looked at those lessons. Though Moses may have permitted divorce, it was never God's plan for marriage. 
God's plan is for people to marry and not divorce. And people can choose not to follow God's plan for marriage. And Jesus recognized that. Now having said all of that, let me share a few words with you about divorce. I don't want to take anything away from the message or anything that Jesus taught about marriage and divorce. And yet the truth is, ever since the Garden of Eden, people have fallen short of following God's plan. And what that, that's what the Bible calls sin. And the truth is, is that all of us are sinners. All of us have sinned. Now, now Christy and I, while, while we have never been divorced, we have sinned. And we need God's grace and forgiveness. And so now we need to extend that same kind of grace and forgiveness to people who have been divorced. I'm afraid that sometimes the church, the church treats divorce as one of those unforgivable sins, which it is not. See, the last thing a divorcee needs is our criticism and condemnation. Instead, they need our understanding and our support. Jesus always held up the ideal. And yet he reached out with love and compassion to those like you and me who fell short of that ideal. I mean, in John the fourth chapter, Jesus reaches out to a Samaritan woman who had been divorced five times and was currently living with a man who was not her husband. And yet Jesus reached out to her. And the church must do the same. With one hand, we must lift up God's ideal, God's plan. And yet, with the other hand, we must reach out with love and compassion to those who fall short of that idea. We have many divorced people in our congregation, and most of us have no idea the circumstances of their divorce. I'm not sure that we will ever understand the hurt and rejection that some feel because it was never their plan or their desire to be divorced. In closing, let me share a poem with you that was written by a divorced lady. Expresses how she felt. I, I, I have lost my husband, but I'm not supposed to mourn. I've lost my children. They don't know to whom they belong. I've lost my relatives. They do not approve. I've lost his relatives. They blame me. I've lost my friends. They don't know how to act. I feel I've lost my church. Do they think I've sinned too much? I'm afraid of the future. I'm ashamed of the past. I'm confused about the present. I am so alone. I feel so lost. God, please stay by me. You are all I have left. Let me, let me share some practical applications as we close here today. I'd like to suggest uh, four things that we need to do. Number one, know what God had planned, has planned for your life and your marriage. Know, know the wonderful things that God has planned for your life and your marriage. God, God's got great plans. The best life that we can have is to follow His plan. Now, number two, strive to follow God's plan for living, including his plan for marriage. That's really the challenge here in, in this message today. Let, let's just follow the plan. 
Let, let's just do it God's way. Now, number three, see God's forgiveness and renewal when you fail to follow his life plan. God is a forgiving God. He will forgive us of our sins when we come before him. Now, again, it may be the sin of divorce. But people, all of us have sinned to fall short of God's glory. And then last of all, reach out to others and help them to know and follow God's life plan. Don't keep the message of Jesus and his salvation and his forgiveness to yourself. Share it. And we've shared it this morning. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you so very much for this opportunity that we've had to gather here together, even if it be on the radio. And and God, I I pray that you will bless each individual who heard this message. And God, I pray that you'll just help us to honor you in our marriages and to honor you in our lives. Forgive us when we fail and get us back on the right course. I pray that all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. I want to thank you so very much for listening. And I want you to know that that if you have some prayer request, something you'd like us to pray for as a church, I I want to just encourage you to to send that. Uh, Either call us on our church phone, which is 217-379-4443. Or again, you can contact us through our website, paxtonchurchofchrist.org. And, and there's a contact page there. And, and we'll be glad to pray for your need. Uh, we want to be able to minister to you in Jesus' name. This is one way we do that, is by sharing with you every Sunday. We pray you have a great week, and we look forward to sharing with you next Sunday.